Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check us out, not just on your favorite podcast app, whether it's Spotify or Podbean or whatever, but also on Dash Radio. Download the Dash Radio app, search for nothing but net, and that's where you can find us every day from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern or 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific dash radio also my new show on onsideradio.com is at that same time 10 to 11 a.m but i cover more than just the heat there so if you want the latest to a conversation after that comeback win against arizona make sure to check out onsideradio.com between 10 and 11 and five reasonsports.com are all free website no paywall all the latest on all the south florida sports teams all of whom seem to be hot right now so check out five reasonsports.com also the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network most of them are local including our friend mark brown actually just ran into him at the last dolphins game you can find him also online at markbrownpa.com that's m-a-r-c brownpa.com this is a real estate litigation and transaction law firm not just commercial but also residential with a full service attorney owned title company here's the big deal $295 closing fee on all refinances and purchases. That's right. Just 295 bucks on the closing fee on all refinances and purchases. When mentioning five reasons, they handle evictions also for landlords, but also for tenants. So both sides and they offer flat fee evictions practicing for nearly 15 years. So make your transaction easy and also make it inexpensive with that five reasons deal. 295 bucks. You can reach Mark at 954-566-566. 78. That's 954 566 5678. The world didn't stop in terms of real estate just because COVID started. So make sure you reach out to him, markbrownpa.com. Again, that's M A R C brownpa.com or M A R C at markbrownpa.com. And now, today's episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor. A daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sidney, Alex Toledo, and Greg Sylvander. Part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. Here is today's floor plan. It's actually more than just a one-day floor plan. This is a week and a half floor plan. So we're looking ahead just as we did a five-part series about Pat Riley's press conference. Now we're going to do at least a five-part series about the upcoming NBA draft, which comes up on the 20th. Of course, this is weird because usually it is at the end of, what is it? Usually June, end of June, right after the NBA finals, right before free agency. It's going to be before free agency again, but this time it's going to be in November, right before Thanksgiving. For this particular episode, I've got Greg Sylvander. I've got Alex Toledo. On other episodes, you can catch Alphonse Sidney, Brady Hawk, and Nikias Duncan. Guys, what we're going to do before we look forward is we're going to look back. We're going to look at the past 10 Miami Heat drafts to try to get a sense of how the Heat's philosophy on drafting has changed. Because I think if we looked at this 10 years ago during the Big Three era, 
Again, the drafting of Michael Beasley in 2008, which didn't work out the way that they'd hoped. Then they get into the big three era. The draft became low priority. They also didn't have a lot of picks because they had to give up those picks to give the, in the sign and trades for Bosch and LeBron. So they gave up four first round picks. So they were, they didn't really value the picks. They valued the elite guys that they were bringing in, but then things pivoted and, and have changed quite a bit since. So Greg, before we kind of get into the specifics of these years, how has the heat philosophy changed in your view? Well, I mean, they definitely, they've made so many strides from a player development perspective that uh, they're, they're looking for guys that are utility knives to a degree. You know, you think back to Justice Winslow and Jay Rich. Um, I think that, that really one of the overarching philosophies we, we've started to see more and more is, uh, and, and I think that you could probably say this for most NBA teams, but it's been really apparent with Miami is they just go best player available. I remember when they drafted Bam out of bio, there were a lot of question marks with a, a max contract to son Whiteside already on the roster. And obviously maybe at that point they had recognized that uh, it was time to uh, come up with a contingency plan from a big man perspective, but they took Bam regardless of the fact that they had 98 million committed to him. Uh, even with Tyler Hero, I think that there was some log jam stuff that we had you know, kind of talked about and they threw caution to the wind and they took the guy that they liked most. So I, I think that that's really the biggest thing is that uh, we really can't look at exact needs. At least that's been how it's gone. I don't know if with this particular team, as deep as it is, if that may be a precursor to looking at a specific need more than they maybe have in the last five years. When you look at it overall, Alex, um, obviously the last two major draft picks that they've made, they reached to one school, Kentucky, after there are a lot of jokes about the Duke thing. Uh, one of the things that I, I found fascinating about the Riley presser was that he talked about how guys are coming out more ready than he was accustomed to. Now, I don't know if that's just because he's taking Kentucky guys because he's trying or because he's trying to hype this pick or because whether that's really true, because I, I don't know that that's something I've heard throughout the league, that players are coming out more ready after one year than they used to be. After all, there are a lot of people in the NBA uh, who don't like the one year and in rule. Um, how do you sort of view it from the Heat's perspective? Honestly, I mean, the, it's a good point that you brought up about maybe it's just the fact that they're getting they're drafting Kentucky guys, and that's why Pat thinks that they're more far ahead. Uh, no, but I, I think it's true what you're saying, and I think uh, what you guys have been saying, like we we haven't really talked about the fact that, uh, you know, when Hero was drafted, there was a logjam and shooting guard, wasn't there? <laughs> like uh, I think what Leif was saying is really, is really relevant because they really do uh, tend to, you know, pick best talent available we're fit. And I think that's going to be just kind of a, a recurring theme for the heat. And I think that's what we're going to analyze and probably find once we kind of go through it a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, what were there at one point, right? The heat last year had like these, the year before this, they had like six shooting guards, didn't they? Like before Dwayne retired, they had Magruder before they dumped him on the last day of the season. They had Tyler Johnson, right? They had Wayne Ellington. Rodney they Magruder. had Deion Waiters, right? <laughs> yeah. They had all these different guys, and they basically cleaned the thing out and took Hero. But I always go back to the one decision, and this predates most of what we're going to talk about today, with a decision to take Wade in 2003. Because at the time, there were some even very, very smart media people like Dan Levitard who didn't like the pick because they had Eddie Jones at the two. And, and that has never been something – that has kind of shaped Pat's philosophy on any of this, uh, taking a player in the first round just to fill a need. They badly needed a point guard the year that they took Darrell Wright. 
uh, in the first round. They could have had Jameer Nelson. Now, Stan was the coach and wasn't really a Jameer fan at the time, which is kind of funny in retrospect, but they've never really drafted to need. And if you look at the past few years, I mean, guys, was Bama need? I mean, they had Whiteside, right? Yeah, no, that's that's the whole point is that, I mean, and you're really hitting on something even further back than where we're talking because with Wade, I mean, I was convinced Kirk Heinrich was the pick because I was thinking, okay, that's the backcourt mate to Eddie Jones, and I'm glad that we went in another direction. I know there's been obviously so much talk of the Chris Kamen stuff and, and maybe that direction because they needed a big at the time. So it, it's really um, in the 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 weird part about this draft is that there's not so many guys that jump off the page as when you say best player available that have that superstar potential. So it's interesting if maybe this could be one of the rare opportunities to pivot and look at plugging a hole versus just taking best player available. Yeah. I mean, Alex, we're going to look more in depth at this particular draft and kind of what the needs may be. Um, I, I think in our next episode, we'll touch on kind of what the heat's needs are, but let's look back a little bit at some of these drafts. I was going through them again. I only really went back through 2010 because um, we can get in the weeds here. If we start to go to a previous Riley era where, you know, he was seemed to be taking like four year guys like a Wayne Simeon or a Tim James who came in with good character, uh, but couldn't really play. Uh, there were people that everybody had heard of, but they couldn't really play. Uh, but let's go back all the way to, uh, I guess we'll start here in 2010. This was, I guess, right before, they got LeBron, right? So this was this would have been like a couple of weeks or a week before yeah. before they got LeBron and Bosch. And I'm looking back at this draft. Uh, they only got 87 NBA games out of this draft. Dexter Pittman in the second round, Jarvis Varnado in the second round, Deshaun Butler. I remember there were a lot of high hopes for Deshaun oh, Butler. Remember he was he was hurt in college. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he's the guy from West Virginia, right? Yeah, and yeah, it's like just tore his ACL or something. Yeah, he tore his ACL very late in West West Virginia. It was a sad story. He never really became any kind of a player. Um, but again, I, I think the Pittman Varnado picks, although they didn't pan out second round picks 32nd and 41st kind of spoke to what I thought the rut that the heat was in, in the draft at that point where they took a couple of big projects just to see what they could do with them. And neither of them, I think you could tell pretty much from the start that neither of them were really NBA players. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you're talking to somebody who back then was very hopeful about all three of those guys. Cause I'm like, Oh, they need these guys to, you know, work. If you're, you know, you're paying uh, three max contracts, like they definitely needed, one of those guys to work, I think. And I was hopeful about all of them. Like I looked up Arnado, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be a cheap rim protector. And, you know, Pittman's going to be another solid big. And I was pretty optimistic, man. And like you said, I was optimistic about about Butler too. I remember he was supposed to be a, a first round talent before the injuries, right? Like he was supposed to be a, a pretty highly touted prospect, I believe. And, but yeah, it, it was obvious that at the time, like they weren't really going to carve out a role for themselves. And you never really know, but it just it just never really stuck other than, you know, when Bosch went down and Pittman started a huge playoff game versus the Pacers with the big three blueprint on the line. Can we explain now to people uh, again, going ahead to 2011, sort of what happened here? Because if you if you pop up basketball reference and look at the draft, you're going to see Bojan Bogdanovich there, who's had a very good career, uh, 462 games. Uh, you know, career 39% three-point shooter. He's the kind of player you would think would fit in pretty well with the Heat, right? Like, I mean, he's, an a he's averaged 14 points in his career. He's been a plus player. Um, but that was the year, again, to explain to people, that was the year they took Norris Cole, correct? Or ended up flipping the pick to move up and take Norris Cole, Greg? Exactly. When they could have had Jimmy Butler, right? <laughs> 
Yeah. There's, I think there may be even a couple other names in that list that, uh, that jump off the page as, as kind of misses that you wish you would have gotten at that point. But, um, yeah, essentially, like the the big thing that I think is important as we kind of go back in history is that I feel like there's been a tremendous evolution in the way they approach this entire process between the big three years, which is kind of what we're unpacking at the moment, mm -hmm. and then go forward from that because mm -hmm. we really, um, you know, it was just kind of an afterthought because you know you just had the big three in town and it was kind of the rock star thing. Um, so uh, it's kind of hard to even analyze 2011, 2012, and 2013 because it just wasn't about draft picks at all. No process. <laughs> no, no process. The funny thing about this, Alex, is that Jimmy Butler was there at 30, and the Heat, again, they moved up to take Norris. So they wouldn't have been in position to take Norris. They moved up to take Norris. Jimmy Butler uh, has the second highest, and I know not everybody's a fan of Vorp, but I'm just looking at the, this stat on the basketball reference site. In terms of VORP for VORP, uh, value over, uh, what is it, over replacement player, mm -hmm. uh, the, t the top five in that draft are Kawhi, who was drafted 15th, Jimmy Butler, who was drafted 30th, Kyrie Irving, who was drafted first, Kemba, who was drafted ninth, and Vucevic, uh, who was oh, drafted. Oh, no, Clay Thompson. And Clay was drafted 11th. He's seventh in that category behind Vucevic and Isaiah Thomas, although you could certainly make an argument that Clay should be ahead of both of them and maybe ahead of Kemba as well, um, right there with Kawhi, under Kawhi, Butler, and, and Kyrie. Uh, Norris ends up being about 28th on this list. I mean, I will say this. The thing about Norris is he served his purpose, right? Like they needed another point guard mm -hmm. to play with uh, Mario because they didn't keep Patrick Beverly the year before. So, and remember they, they had uh, Carlos Arroyo, they brought in Bibby. It was like this rotation of point yeah. guards. They tried to move ahead of Rio. Rio basically beat them all out essentially, but they needed somebody else who was another, you know, point of attack defender. We talk about that a lot these days. And Norris had some important games for them. He was a rotation player for them during the 27 game winning streak. Uh, he was one of their nine that they rolled out there. I, I don't really, th and he, he fit the profile again of what they were looking for at the time. He played in not in, in huge games because he didn't go to a big school, but he was the best player on his team. He was the guy who had the ball in his hands at the end of games. You could kind of see again, the type of tough minded player that Pat liked. He fit in Dwayne liked him. He just didn't have that high upside. Exactly. I mean, they definitely had Mike baby PTSD when they were trying to get Norris Cole there. <laughs> and um, he did, you know, contribute with Rio in ending the Jeremy Lin phenomenon. So he had his moments and you're right. He was, a, he was uh, absolutely a player that fit a need at the time. You know, it was kind of like, we need to find a big and you need to find a point guard to surround these three. And, and that was kind of the, the strike at it with Norris Cole. Obviously Jimmy Butler jumps off the page as a guy you wish you would have gotten at that moment. But I think in that, at that time, it was the right pick considering all circumstances. You never know when a guy like Jimmy is going to ascend the way that he did. All right, let's look at the next year. And th this comes uh, 2012. Uh, this is after you win your first championship. You've got a late first round pick. They were picking actually 27th, I believe. Um, Anthony Davis went first in this draft and then Michael Kidd Gilchrist. So I guess the Knicks are still interested in went second and then Bradley Beal and Dion waiters and Thomas Robinson, and then Dame Lillard. So that's, that's interesting. It's like the one, three and six picks are huge studs, right? <laughs> AD Bradley Beal and Dave Lillard. And in between you've got MKG Dion and Thomas Robinson. Um, so a lot of variance there, the heat pick 27. Now this is the one 
that I will take a little bit of credit for because on that draft night, I kept saying if, the, if Draymond Green made it to 27, the Heat had to take Draymond Green. He was the perfect kind of Shane. Ultimately, he would have been the Shane Battier replacement, but perfect sort of fit for that team. Could have played multiple positions, tough. You saw at Michigan State, he was a leader type. The players gravitated towards him. He won a ton of games. He played in the Final Four. I think they did they win a championship at Michigan State or they, they were yeah they did right or they were close I think they did I yeah mean, I I'm, think no, they, I'm not a college basketball historian but I think that they did I, get one I think they did get one all right so I wrote on before draft night if Draymond Green's there at 27 I know there were certain people inside the Heat organization or right around it like I, for instance Tim Hardaway who were pushing hard for Draymond uh, I was told that Riley didn't think he was in good enough shape actually they ended up taking Moultrie and trading Arnett Moultrie, who never really played much in the NBA. He only played two seasons, 59 games, and then trading out of the pick. Um, again, this kind of gets back to the point where during the big three era, they just didn't think the picks were all that important. No, and, and I think that it involved Justin Hamilton, which I think mm -hmm. was another strike at a stretch big. I, I remember there being some heat Twitter excitement about the uh, possibilities oh, yeah. that there a little bit. But this was also an era, and I think it's important to recognize that uh, one of the, the things that was taking place with these late firsts is that you wanted to get out of maybe some guaranteed contract money that comes mm -hmm. with any first round pick. So there was an inspiration to get into the second round and trade back because those non-guaranteed contracts contracts, you know, provided more flexibility in who they could acquire and things like that. But I mean, you mentioned uh, Draymond Green, Jay Crowder was there, Chris mm. Middleton was there, Will Barton was there. There were a lot of great players wow. um, that were that were on the board. I mean, even like the Mike Scotts of the world, Kyle mm. O'Quinn's of the world could have helped uh, in in retrospect. But this was, again, a situation that I think there was a little bit of a financial motivation associated with why they traded out. I mean, you mentioned uh, Crowder and Green were drafted 34th and 35th. Jay's played 608 games. Draymond's played 576. Um, the guy they dragged, and they didn't draft Moultrie to keep him, but he ended up playing 59 games. You know, it's funny. I always look back at the guy that fans wanted at the time just to kind of see how that played out. The guy that a lot of Heat fans wanted that year was Perry Jones. 100%. Right? Yeah. Right? right? Athletic, big. I think he was coming off an injury at a Baylor. He went to OKC. He was with a lot of other athletic players. And Remember never... everybody thought that he was going to be such a steal for the Thunder? And oh, Yeah, they, I thought so too. Fourth, I... They got their fourth guy. They got their other cornerstone. I thought he Presti might be, did it again. I thought he might be the Ibaka replacement ultimately, but it, it just it didn't pan out. Um at all. But yeah, that was the guy they talked about. In fact, Golden State took Azili uh, two picks after Perry Jones, and he actually gave them more uh, than Perry Jones did before he got hurt and kind of flamed out of the league. All right, we're going to keep going on this because I, I do think it's educational to kind of see where this panned out and, and how, uh, you know, how the Heat's sort of thinking on all of this stuff has evolved. Before we do, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. We've been, we've been telling you about safecubbies.com for a while because this is something that you definitely, definitely need. Um, we are living in COVID times just because the election is over. No, COVID did not go away as soon as the election was over. At least the election was called. Uh, you still need to make sure your workplace is safe. If you have a child who's back in school, you want to make sure that the school is aware of what may be offered to them. So you got to check out safecubbies.com. 
Com. They offer custom sneeze guards and shields, and also they stock sizes of sneeze guards and shields. They've got they can create office partitions. They can work with restaurants, businesses, schools, all of that kind of stuff. They do floor decals for social distancing. They do PPE and COVID signage. They also do touch-free sanitizer stands with and without branding. So if you need sanitizers all over your facility, wherever it may be, reach out to safecubbies.com. You see those everywhere. Well, you can put branding on them as well. They also do branded face masks. And Safe Cubbies will come out and perform a site survey and provide a free estimate. So you've got nothing to lose. And they also do the installation. So reach out to Chris and his great people at safecubbies.com. Chris lives right here in Broward County huge sports fan. And this is really a great service uh, that he's providing. He's been in a bunch of different businesses, but this is the business for this particular time. So reach out to safecubbies.com. All right, let's go a little bit deeper. Now we'll go to 2013. Now, again, in this one, uh, the heat did not have a pick at all, Greg, correct? Yeah, this um, it's funny that you say that I'm on basketball reference earlier today and it doesn't even show up in the in the log of all the draft picks for Miami. It's like that draft literally never even happened. And it was just one where, again, they were in in championship chasing mode. They were looking for veterans to take, uh, you know, less money to come and be part of a, a championship group. And so it just it wasn't about development, which it's just interesting now that they can actually do both because it, it, it seems like they should have been able to do maybe a little bit more of that back then but they punted that draft completely and and then uh so the next year i'm looking at this one and i'm trying to I, again i covered all these but the draft was such an afterthought uh what did they do with pj harrison in 2014 so they, they drafted pj harrison and they um traded him immediately to charlotte uh for shabazz napier oh, and yeah and Napier was taken two picks before uh, it's kind of the infamous LeBron pick yep. because of the tweets and saying that he was his favorite player in college basketball, I think, or something like that. So it felt like it was an, a, a if you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. LeBron influenced pick in terms of there was the lines of communication were a little weird at that time. So anything they could do to um, dangle a carrot in LeBron's direction and say, you know, we're, we're making this pick with you in mind. I think that some of that was in play there, but a guy that they loved also was Clint Capella. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He went, he went a pick before PJ Harrison. I had heard that if Clint Capella had been there at 26, that they may not have made that trade up for Shabazz Napier. I, I heard the same thing. Uh, they really, liked Capella and actually liking Capella played somewhat in the decision to take Bam because at the time they saw some similarities. They weren't the only ones, by the way. There were a lot of people making the comparison between Bam and Clint Capella. We obviously see now that Bam is a much more multifaceted player with a much higher ceiling, but at the time they liked him. I'm looking at that draft now, that tooth. And again, this was kind of the end of the big three era. Uh, They didn't really know LeBron was going to leave. You know, the one, the guys who've panned out who were taken after uh, Jokic, Jokic may be the the best player in this draft, right? Along with Embiid, who was taken he third. He would never taking him. 
Right? Oh, no, there was no chance. There was no chance. Uh, no, absolutely. With Pat's view on foreign players at the time. But he was I wasn't drafted. I talking about that part. No, there, there was no. Oh, the conditioning? No, no chance. Uh, drafted 41st uh, to Denver. You look at the rest of that. Jeremy Grant's had a very productive career. He was 39th. Um, he seems like a Heat player. Joe Harris was the one at 33. Um, I covered his rookie year in Cleveland. David Blatt threw him out there once for like 30 straight minutes to sink or swim. Um, at the time, I didn't really think Joe Harris was going to become the playable guy he is now. I thought he'd be a shooter, but there really wasn't a lot in that second round anyway. I mean, other than Jokic, it was not a great draft. Jordan Clarkson's had a pretty good career, uh, but that was about it. So the real pivot, guys, comes in the next year uh, because now LeBron is gone, okay? And now you have an actual pretty high pick. You're picking 10th and you're picking 40th. And I just remember I was at a draft party for 790 and we all kind of targeted. I went to the, I went to the pre-draft camp that year because the draft that year was a big deal for the heat. And I remember interviewing justice Winslow and interviewing Stanley Johnson and interviewing a whole bunch of players who I thought could go to the heat. But Winslow was one I did not think would get there. Winslow was projected by a lot of people to go top five, potentially to the Knicks. When he fell to the heat, I think most heat fans were unlike the hero and bam picks. They were ecstatic. Um, Looking back on it now, I'm looking, I'm going to start with Alex on this one. Looking back on it now, would you have done something different at 10? Why do you do do this to me? I'm I'm going to you first for that reason. (laughs) Oh man. I mean, look, man, if you're giving me hindsight, then yeah. Then yeah, you take Devin Booker. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I might have to edit this out of the pod. Like I might not let this see the light of day, but yeah, get arms of hindsight. I'm taking Devin Booker. Other than that, I mean, there was no way you could pass on Winslow at the time. Like, he had just come off winning the title with Duke, and he looked really, really good, by the way, in that run. Like, he looked like maybe their best player throughout that run. Uh, And I thought he was really impressive. Obviously, he was supposed to go higher than that, and I thought it made a lot of sense at the time. I remember being in the arena when he got drafted, the entire arena going crazy, which is kind of funny because you wouldn't think that, you know, just Heat fans are really into the draft and – and all that, but no, everybody in that in that arena went crazy when Winslow drafted. Yeah. I mean, was drafted by the Heat. It felt and- like it felt like an absolute home run. And um, I, I don't think I know we have the benefit of hindsight, but Winslow was the slam dunk pick. It felt like the Karan Butler pick all over again, that that guy mm-hmm. just fell in their lap that was going to be able to kind of um, take the organization in a new direction and kind of uh, it was like a new era. And But this also is an underrated moment where I feel like Miami's philosophy or the, the, the gem mining in terms of late uh, second round picks, not just undrafted free agents with the Jay Rich pick, because none of us really knew much about Josh Richardson. We mm-hmm. knew that he had some experience and things like that. And um, I think now we probably, as Heat fans, may call this the Josh Richardson draft before we would say it's the Justice Winslow draft. Yeah, I want to get to Josh in a second. Before I do, I, w- I want to look at the top end of this draft, because again, just to put into perspective, Perspective, okay, that the Heat didn't bomb here as badly as a lot of people think they did. If you look at this particular draft, our Towns goes first. I mean, look, I know people have issues with cat toughness, that kind of thing, but I mean, you can't argue with the production, okay? So, uh, first overall, D'Angelo Russell, who kind of gets a second chance to, you know, now that he's playing with with Carl Anthony Towns, 
but obviously he's been an all-star. Uh, you know, but then it gets a little dicey. Okay, Okafor at three has kind of resurrected his career, but I think a lot of the things that people said about him when he came out of college that he didn't really have a modern game have played out. Porzingis has been uh, really good. I mean, and, and I, I missed on him because I, I saw him in this first summer league and I didn't love him. Uh, if he didn't have the injury, he might be an all-star by now. He may be an all-star ultimately, but then there's some garbage here. Like Hazonia, I mean, at most he's a role player now. Cauley Stein, same. Moutier is a backup at best. Stanley Johnson, is he even still in the league? He, he was. Yeah, he he's, I think he may be at the end of the bench. On the Raptors. Uh, yeah, on, on the Raptors, Toronto. right? But, Raptors. But, but, but back then, truthfully, though, as I looked through all of these guys, the only pick that made people like kind of gasp and, and groan was the Moutier pick by Denver at seven. Yes. A lot of the, a lot of these other guys like um, Hazonia, Willie Cauley-Stein, um, Stanley Johnson, even Frank Kaminsky, like they were kind of thought of as as good picks. There weren't a lot of griping going on. The Moutier pick was doubted. But it, even when you get to Winslow and Miles Turner from by Indiana, none of this was a surprise or or I mean, now, obviously, Devin. Booker jumps off the page, but, mm -hmm. but at the time, Moutier was the only guy that I think people kind of blinked at. And that's why this is a little unfair to the heat because, uh, you know, <laughs> you can say they should have taken Booker at 10 and in retrospect, they should have. And, you know, obviously that, you know, there was the Kentucky thing and they liked him quite a bit. And even Spolster admitted that during the playoffs this year, which I was surprised he actually went there, but I mean, if you're going to argue that you should have taken Booker over Winslow, you can certainly argue that Orlando should have taken Booker over Hazonia or Sacramento should have taken him over Cauley Stein or Listen, Denver man. should have taken him over Moutier or Detroit should have taken him after Stanley Johnson or Charlotte should have taken after Kaminsky or, <laughs> or, okay, Charlotte should have taken all the picks from Boston or Miami should have taken all those picks from Boston that they were offering to move up. Okay. And Boston ended up taking Rozier at 16 but I, I, I'm not going to kill the heat on this one. They did not get a bad player at 10. Um, and then, like you mentioned, they kind of salvaged the whole thing with yep. Josh Richardson, who actually right now, if you look at Vorp, um, you know, through, through this point of his career, he's 10th in this draft. And in some categories, he's higher than that uh, in terms of, of, of win shares and overall production. I mean, I think some of the guys that are ahead of him on some of those categories, like Larry Nance and DeLon Wright, you'd rather have, and you'd rather have Josh Richardson. I mean, he's a top six or seven player in this draft. So I, I don't think the Dolphins, I mean, excuse me, the Dolphins, uh, Dolphins, Dolphins on my mind today. I don't think the Heat did poorly there. And then both guys were contributors on a team that was one game, one win from the Eastern Conference Finals and probably gets there if either either Whiteside or Bosch was healthy by the end. So they were both they were both great uh, contributors to playoff teams as rookies. And mm -hmm. by the way, uh, uh, Leith mentioned the Karam Butler thing before. And the last part about it is that this really is the Karam Butler pick because it was a wing you got drafted at 10 and a guy you ended up trading to help you get closer to the finals. That's exactly right. No, it, it did. It did play out that way. And again, you got uh, I, I, so I don't think they did. Uh, and look, by the way, just not to interrupt you again, but look, with all those guys that you named that went ahead, like he did pretty damn good in this draft. Like Winslow was a good player. Even with the injury stuff, he was a good player. They were able to get stuff for him. Like you said, they got a ton of value out of Richardson and they just got to thank their lucky stars. They didn't end up with Stanley Johnson or more importantly, Frank Kaminsky. Oh my God. Like I'm just getting, it's just, I'm getting shudders down my spine. Just at the idea of the, of the heat taking Frank Kaminsky in that draft. Cause boy, has he stunk.
and there's a lot of those guys in the top 10 in that draft. So well, I'm good the worst, with the, the worst part for the Heat was that Kaminsky had a couple of moments against them in that playoff series, which was where the hell did that come from? All right, we're going to get to the last couple of years and, of course, the big Kentucky picks after a word here from Manscaped.com. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. Before we do, I want to tell you about another of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. You know, Knicks are no good in the NBA. You're familiar with that? The Knicks are no good? Well, Knicks are no good when you're shaving certain parts of your body either. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. I never thought I would actually say that on a podcast and just released the new and improved lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean, premium, the battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Make sure you trim yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 5RSN at manscaped.com. And now this is where I end my career. Your balls will thank you. And now back to the episode. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. All right, so let's let's look ahead here a little bit. Now, we, we get through the Winslow and Richardson draft, guys. And so that leads us up to 2016. The Heat were coming off... Uh, getting like I mentioned to the sec to the second round of the playoffs to game seven against Toronto, they lose Greg again. There's no pick here. So can you please remind me what happened? I don't remember exactly, but they were, <laughs> e they were either paying for big three era sins or they were paying up Goran's trade uh, transactions. One of the two uh, is by the show 16 side of the, uh, of the NBA draft ledger. All right. So let's, uh, all right. So let's look ahead. Yeah. I can't exactly recall. So let's get to the two picks. I think uh, that was that part of the Goran trade. It was part of the Goran trade, right? Because they had flipped him, and then, of course, Bosch got hurt. Not was hurt, that excuse pick me, for that year, and then the future pick as well, I believe. Right, so 16 and 18, right? I yeah. think so. Yeah, those, those were the two. All right, so let's get to 2017 and 2019. I called them the Nikias was wrong drafts um, because he didn't like either guy from Kentucky at the time. We've given him enough grief about it. Uh, but Bam at 14, again, to revisit this a little bit, that draft, again, is going to go down as a strange one because the first pick overall, you know, basically a team moves up to take a guy first overall, flips Boston another pick. Boston ends up with arguably the best player in this draft in Jason Tatum. Philly gives up on Fultz right away. You had Lonzo Ball at two. Josh Jackson's been a huge bust at four. De'Aaron Fox, I think we've talked about needing a change of scenery, but he's obviously been uh, a really quality player since he's come in. Then Isaac Markinen. Uh, you got Frank, uh, I can never pronounce his name, but N N N N <laughs> I'm not even going to try uh, the, the defensive guard with the Knicks. Okay. They think he's better than he really is. Dennis Smith's been a bust, you know, has gone up to New York that hasn't panned out. Zach Collins is okay. Can't stay healthy. Malik Monk has been a disappointment. Luke Kennard has had some moments and then Donovan Mitchell. I mean, again, and then bam. Um, but looking through this, if you redrafted this thing, Greg, where does Bam go? I mean, he goes one or two. I think that like it's it's him and Jason Tatum up at the top, right? I mean, that's ahead of Mitchell. 
Uh, okay. Yeah. I guess Donovan Mitchell too. I, I guess I was over. That's an oversight by me there. So, so he's in Definitely over Fox. He's, he's, he's top three. Yeah. I think you do take Bam over Fox because of the defensive versatility at his position and all the things that he's able to do initiating offense as a big, um, I feel like uh, Bam has kind of proven himself in ways that Fox has yet to. So mm -hmm. I, I think he's a top three pick. And I think considering all of the hype surrounding uh, Lonzo ball specifically, I mean, I remember back to Riley um, kind of flying around the country, watching Lonzo ball falling in love and, and some heat fans getting a little weary of that. Um, you know, a guy like, like John Collins was somebody a lot of mm. Heat fans were looking at back then. The Donovan Mitchell pick, though, was one pick away. I think that that was universally the guy that the Heat fans wanted. Um, Adebayo that year, I, I'll never forget. The very first name I heard associated with the Heat was Bam Adebayo. And then every time I asked about him after that, I got radio silence. Like, it was completely mm. quiet. So I then discounted that initial information and never even circled back to him and then felt like such an idiot when I had initially heard that name uh, that that's who they actually went and got. And so, I mean, but in hindsight, that was a slam dunk. It, it's probably the best draft in Heat history, right? Well, I think 2003. Oh, excuse me. Besides Dwayne. Oh, yeah, my gosh. I, I, yeah, but, but I, th I think it's second right now. I think it's second at, in light of the fact that you weren't picking in the top 10. You've got a guy who's an all-star in his third season with huge upside at age 22, um, who is a total team guy, who is somebody who can be a face of a franchise. I mean, there, there's no way they thought he was that. Riley even acknowledged that, that he didn't think he was that. He thought he had the chance to be something special, but he didn't think it was going to happen this quickly. I can tell you that on the night of the draft, I spoke to somebody very high up with the Heat who said, we did more research on Bam Adebayo than any player we've ever picked. He's the anti-Hassan. That's what I was told. And that's pretty much what he was. But, but Alex, it took guts to take him considering that you had just given Hassan Whiteside <laughs> 90 million dollars right like i, I mean it, that and kelly olenic they had just yeah. paid olenic with a with a four-year deal which obviously wasn't the same as giving hassan a max but it's like you thought that they were set there at that position and i think and that's what that's i mean you talk about uh, bam being the anti-hassan like that is just the most accurate depiction of him that there is especially with just the way that everything turned out where it's like yeah we, they literally moved on from hassan because of how much they believed in bam and then he ended up just being everything you, you would ever wanted out of Hassan put together in like one season. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty fair depiction. It definitely took guts for them to uh, take Bam at the time. Like, I'm pretty sure, similar to Hero, like it was a guy who was kind of thought of as maybe being closer to the 20th pick than the 13th pick. Mm -hmm. And I, I, felt, I felt the same way in draft night, just like everybody else. It's like, okay, this guy was kind of projected to go further back. And that's just you know, more of the heat showing that, you know, when they really believe in a guy, they're just going to go after him and they don't really care about mock drafts. They have their own rankings and obviously their scouting department is top notch and they know what they're doing. So I, I think we're at that point now where we can trust them. But back then it was definitely a gutsy pick for sure. And we mentioned 2018 was the Dragic, uh, one of the, one of the, one of the picks for the Dragic acquisition. So we go to 2019. Now we've done a whole episode on this, so we don't need to revisit entirely. But I think now when you look at it, I, was it with you, Greg, or with you, Alex, that I did this episode, the hero ep? No, I think we did. I didn't, Jesus, I think you did it with me. Yeah, I think it was with you. Okay, so I think we agreed that if you redrafted 2019 now, that we did this before the playoffs, okay? I think you and I both had him like sixth, all right? Now He's look high. at it. He's higher now. <laughs> I mean, now look at it, okay? Zion is one still, right? Yes. 
Morant is two. Yes. Make an argument for somebody else ahead of hero on this list. Barrett, Hunter, Garland, Culver, White, Hayes, Hachimura, Reddish, Cam Johnson, PJ Washington. No, thank you. Yeah, I don't know where the argument is at this point. I mean, I guess you could go with RJ. I guess that's the one guy because he was supposed to be the high, the highly touted prospect coming in and all that was the number one player in, in, you know, during their high school years. But I mean, there's no way you could put him above hero after this season. Like I understand he's he playing on a terrible team. The Knicks are just a horrible situation. And like Julius Randle's his best players, <laughs> his best <laughs> teammate. So I, I feel for RJ, but no, what hero did in the regular season and specifically in the playoffs, uh, he's, he's there. He's number three. I'm with John might be number one right now. Uh, let's give it the year. Just let's the, give just it. Give it the way that he's played. Z- Zion's going to be coached now. He's going to be coached. I mean, I I, wow. I feel like I feel like that changes that. I, I I'm not a I'm not a huge. That's fired. I, I <laughs> it's not it's not that it's just Stan <laughs> is in my view and when he's not doing the GM stuff, okay, he's an elite coach and I don't believe that Zion had an elite coach and and I feel like that was always going to be the decision that Griff made. Um, if he had to make one and I think they'll build the right team around Zion. They were, they were building that thing on the fly, but look, I'm with you guys. I look at, to me, the one guy on this list, I Hachimura showed me a little something this year and I think reddish has potential and I like PJ Washington. The other guy is Brandon Clark who was taken after Tyler. Oh yeah. yeah. But, but, but I, I, but to me, it's, I really struggle to see anybody beyond Zion and Ja because because of where RJ is if RJ was somewhere else I think I'd look at him differently if he was drafted to any of like 15 other teams but he wasn't and so as long as he's in New York with that particular situation I just don't see it all right we're going to do more and more draft episodes we just wanted to kind of dig into what the heat have done Uh, I will give you guys 30 seconds each overall philosophy shift for the heat Greg uh, can you sort of encapsulate it and do you like it I mean, obviously I like it because they're I, the fact that we can go into drafts and be excited about the picks um, it, because like, you know, we griped about out of bio and hero and fans kind of didn't love those picks and were proven really, really wrong. I think that it's just uh, it allows us to go into this with a little bit more of a clear conscience and excitement. So uh, I, I love the philosophy shift. Alex. Yeah. I'm with you there. Uh they kind of, I think like the way that they drafted, especially in recent years has kind of been in a way that, you know, like I mentioned before, they, you know, once they figure out who they really like, they're all in on those guys, no matter where it's like where they're supposed to be drafted, uh, you know, drafted or ranked or whatever. And I really like that, man, because it's just, it just shows like the, the trust in the department that they have there that just keeps churning out more and more surprises. Like every time we think they're done, like you get a Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson in the same year and we just kind of take it for granted. So I think the past few years has been the kind of shift towards the developmental stuff. I really like that. And I think before it was obviously a little bit hit or miss as we went through, but Mm. I'm all in with what they're doing right now. Like, I think just kind of telling everybody, shut up. We know what we're doing and we're going to do what we do. Other than that Shabazz Napier pick, which feels like the only one that kind of, you know, maybe was the last pick before they went to that full developmental shift. Mm -hmm. But, uh, even then, it's just like they had to do it, right? Those are mitigating circumstances when you're talking about a generational uh, GOAT talent like LeBron James. I guess you got to make that pick and, uh, you know, not get Clint Capella. But at the end of the day, like, I, I like where they're at now. I think this is what they're going to keep doing. And Casey Akpala, just more of the same. Like, another guy who didn't necessarily, you know, they didn't need that that type of player, I think. Uh, it's just another guy who 
they believe in and they're going to go after his development and, and make sure that he pans out to what they think he's going to be. Yeah, we like who we like. That's the philosophy these days. That and no more Duke guys. Those are the two things. All right, check out our sponsors, markbrownpa.com, safecubbies.com, and, of course, manscaped.com. Use the code 5RSN. Remember, Alf promised to shave his head uh, if the presidential election went a certain way. So that's going to happen on our stream this week. He's not getting out of that thing. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.